the free for all roundtable round two and joining me for the proceedings deb hutton former advisor to two premiers children's music teacher michelle morrow and pavin bratch serial entrepreneur in marketing tech and real estate development plus a part-time farmer so welcome all and let's start with this it's been an interesting uh, conversation through the morning and i'm very fascinated to hear what all of you will have to say with this i'll, I'll start with you deb hutton um brad bradford just a moment ago two he was saying all his videos are brilliant. I, you know, he's done some good stuff, but to me, it's not brilliant to break a bylaw, even if you are proposing to change the bylaw. He's standing there with beer in his hand in the park. Or do you think most people, because I hope that they legalize drinking in the park, do you think most people will say, I, I don't care? Well, I actually I agree with you. I think we should have uh, drinking in park, and I so I just I can't stand pilot projects. Make a decision, people. That's what you're elected to do. But on the video stuff, the reason that you do these things, the reason whether it's from communications or a tour perspective, the reason in politics you go out and do that is to shine a light on a policy that might otherwise seem a bit bland. The problem I have, which is why I disagree with Mark saying that Bradford is brilliant in his videos, the problem I have with it is we're talking about the tactic, but we're not really talking about the policy. The closest he gets is his beer in the park. But think about his Jamaica Patty thing a few uh, weeks and months ago. I can't, I think it was actually before the election was officially called. He was trying to make the point that he knows Scarborough, but instead he just looked like a doofus with a patty in his mouth. The driving thing, whether or not it breaks a bylaw, for me is more about the fact that it we're talking about that, the tactic, as opposed to about his congestion policy. So I think he's he's awful. You know, Paul in the basement, his buddy who he rents to, and his response to that, where he's kind of listening to the song that was made to mock the whole thing, is all we're talking about, as opposed to what he actually stands for, which is really how people vote. Yeah. Or at least it should be. Full disclosure, <laughs> you're working with Bilo, aren't you? Hundred percent, and I, I apologize. I usually start with that, but yeah. uh, I got I got fired up after Mark said it was brilliant. All right. Well, Michelle, are you teaching those lovely little lads of yours? If you don't like a law, just break it. And no, definitely not, because I have rules within my own studio that I expect them to follow. Um, but I think what uh, Brad Bradford's videos do is they show how they are getting his name out there. And whether we don't always remember what people stand for, but we vote for them anyway. I think Olivia Chow being at the top of the leaderboard right now is a perfect example of that. I have no idea what her policies are. I have no idea where she stands, except she doesn't like homelessness and she hopes to get rid of it. But I have no idea how she wants to do that. But yet, she's at the top. And I think that's what Bradford is trying to do. I wish, again, he had more clarity. I want to know what, what people plan to do to fix these things or what they do to change these bylaws. But in the idea of you have a limited amount of time to get your name out there so people recognize in the ballot box, I think he's succeeding in that respect. All right. So, Pavan, speaking of bylaws, uh, there's an excellent column by Brian Lilly in the Toronto Sun today. Toronto fails to enforce its own bylaws, and specifically he's talking about Allen Gardens, which has been overrun. There's all kinds of crime and violence taking place there. Um, in fact, Brian Lilly himself said he won't walk through Allen Gardens anymore, and he used to, and he's a pretty big guy. So you can see why a lot of residents would be upset. I absolutely understand that. Yeah, I think, I, you know, there does seem to be this kind of situation where there's, you know, laws for people who follow the laws and then there, there are the, the laws for that are ignored by those who choose not to. And, and we just have to deal with it, whether it's, you know, kind of our insurrectionist type movement in, in Canada or whatever else. If a common guy like you and I, Jerry, went and did what, what some of those guys did, we would have been thrown in jail right away. 
So I, I do think we have to address it. I don't know Allen Gardens as well as I do know what's going on in, in, in other cities like Hamilton, which is closer to our farm. You know, but I would say that we have to get these politicians at the federal and provincial level before they, they drift off onto holiday to deal with this issue of parks and deal with this issue of the homeless and the tents and all this kind of stuff. It just can't drag out any longer. We can't do it. It's a problem in every city, in in major city in Ontario, and it's a problem across the country, I'm sure. So this has to be dealt with. Well, Deb, earlier this morning on round one, uh, Councillor John Burnside told us that some of the people who are camped out in the park are not homeless. They're just taking advantage of the summertime opportunity to party. Well, and then there's this whole, I don't know what you want to call it, industry around advocates for encampments. And they're the ones who have caused the most trouble when John Tory was mayor and did have people go in and try to find homes for individuals and did try to take down the tent cities. They're the ones who caused the kerfuffle, not the residents, which I just find disgusting. But I want to be clear. And again, full disclosure, I'm supporting Anna Bailao. Josh Matlow and Olivia Chow, two of our leading candidates for mayor, think encampments are okay. And I cannot believe people are supporting them, if for no other reason than that. Okay, so um, do you know why Olivia Chow has that position? Because, Michelle, I think you said you have no idea what she stands for. Yeah, well, the I reason just know is, that she said, oh, oh sorry, <laughs> go ahead, Deb. No, that's okay. I was, sorry, I was, was going to answer Jerry's question, which is because she believes that you have a right to a roof over your head, an absolute right. And if it happens to be in a park until society, until government finds you another roof over your head, she's okay with that. I'm not. Okay, maybe I'll decide that I don't like paying rent and I'll, the, the right to a roof over the head. Michelle is over at Olivia's house. Yeah, that's that's I think the fear, the the step that we have to worry about taking is that this is a public place and yes, it is a public place so you should be able to to enjoy it but you shouldn't be able to take it over and not let anyone else enjoy it. And we we are so worried about autonomy over our choices that we're then losing we're taking away the choice of other people to enjoy the outdoor space that they should have access to. So other than name recognition, Pavan Bratch, can you tell us why she's leading the polls? Uh, name recognition. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I'm, she's leading the polls because, uh, you know, she has taken this kind of position. It's so early still. We know that. I think the most important thing to look at, though, is the trend line. The trend line for Anna Bilo, and I'm full disclosure, I am not working on her campaign. Uh, but Anna, <laughs> Anna I can Bilo, change that. I can change that, Pavan. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you. Listen, so, I mean, her trend line is positive. Her trend line is steeply up. So uh, so is Mitzi Hunter's trend line. Ironically, Brad Bradford is at the bottom of, of the list of the top candidates. So I think, you know, obviously we know it's still early, but that, that I think is something we have to look at. And and uh, it, you can see, though, that the impact, and, and there's a challenge for Anna Bilo and for all of these all of these politicians because Brad Bradford just showed us how he got 500,000 views on social media in, in, a, in a city where elections are won by 380 or 400,000 votes. So, you know, obviously all of the candidates, including Bilo and the rest, are going to put out their social media work. Hopefully they can they can capture the attention of the city as easily as they can. And I think that's when Chow's going to lose. All right. Well, full disclosure, I'm not working for anybody, but I did uh, <laughs> announce last uh, week that I'm going to vote for Anthony Fury. His trend line is up, but Deb, is it possible whether it, it, whichever other candidate is for uh, for history to repeat itself and Olivia Chow goes from uh, presumptive winner leading candidate to coming third like she did the last time she ran? 
Absolutely. I don't think this is quite the same race, but we don't have enough time to talk about why. Uh, but it's absolutely possible. Uh, I do believe she is at the top of her potential basket of voters. And so she really has nowhere to go but down. Uh, if she can hold for four weeks, which is very tough for any candidate, I will be shocked. But it is still possible, which is why it's so important to look at the candidates, look at their policies and, and make a decision. We still have as much time time to go, I think it's four weeks today, as an entire provincial election campaign usually is. All right. So um, what was I going to? Oh, Pavan, if you are looking around and seeing rent is high, did it ever occur to you to blame the universities? (laughs) <laughs> it uh, It's a fair point. It's, it, I think it's a great discussion to have. Uh, the universities I, across Canada uh, are, are bringing in almost a million foreign students who, who contribute to our economy. And I think in the global scheme of things, of all the industries that Canada can compete in, I can't think of one of the better field, a better field really than, than education. It doesn't leave big pits in the ground. It doesn't leave pollution. It doesn't leave abandoned battery factories, you know, 20, 30 years down the road. Uh, what it does leave is a, a lot of, you know, hopefully we keep some of the best of the best and we make a lot of money and pass it on to our domestic students and and subsidize them. I think we've just got a situation here where there's a bit of a mismatch in terms of the demand for the product that we're offering that's so excellent and, and recognized globally. And I think that's going to happen. I know in Hamilton, for example, they're just finishing off a 30-story residence for students uh, downtown. Uh, there's 15, 1,600 more units going on on campus, and and so I think it's 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 uh, just a bit of a mismatch, and it's a short-term issue. It is a massive industry sec- uh, sector worldwide, and uh, and you know what? Ironically, our own daughter is a foreign student in Australia. Uh, and uh, so the question is, you know, why do we have to send foreign students off uh, to 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 other countries uh, when we have such uh, such a huge demand for for studies here? Yeah. Why didn't your daughter stay here? She couldn't. Uh, you know, the, the number of positions in vet school is so limited uh, as it stands today um, that uh, off she went to Australia and, and is following her dream, having grown up on a farm. And, uh, you know, and this is the case with medical students. It's the case with law students. I mean, so many of our friends have been forced to send off uh, their kids to other countries. And you know what, if we're going to pay full pop, which is quite significantly expensive, you know, it might be $60,000 a year for a student to study law or or medicine, why we're not building those universities in Canada uh, to service those people who are going to go off and pay full pop in other countries uh, baffles me. All right. So the argument here is that the universities and colleges across Canada are bringing in so many foreign students that uh, the downside, there are upsides, as Pavan said, the downside is that they then compete for rent and we have a rent shortage, especially in the GTA. And Michelle Morrow, you're a children's music teacher. How many little foreign tykes are you bringing in? Yeah, uh, sadly, none. <laughs> My studio is always open for that, though. <laughs> I see. But I, but I think we have both sides of it. Like, on one hand, you'd think that the universities are like, okay, let's say I'm using a very small number, but let's say we have 100 spots for foreign students. Let's make sure we have 100 places for them to live. They can always turn it down, and then we can uh, pass it on to students who are, who are local. 
or students who are uh, native to Canada. So I, I wish they had more forward planning in that respect. But on the other side of it, uh, I have a girlfriend who was able to purchase her first condo or like it's her first place on her own because of UOIT, because UOIT has expanded so much to the north end of Oshawa. Uh, condo, big condo buildings are growing up and she was able to get into the market for the first time. So I see the other side of it as well. If, that, if those condos hadn't been built because of the university, my friend would still be searching for a place to live. Okay, so is our problem those damn foreigners, Deb? No, it's not at all. The problem is that the left hand and the right hand don't know what each other's doing. So we have a similar situation, Jerry, I would argue, in both the, the elementary and secondary situation in Ontario as well. We we need housing. We approve developments. We put them in places where people want to live. But the province doesn't build schools or doesn't make it a requirement on the city's part to build education facilities to think about as they do in New York, for example, putting a school at the top of a high rise tower. It's the same situation here. We're bringing foreign students in for talent and quite frankly, the most motivating factor because they pay such high, high tuition. It allows us to keep Canadian tuition low and I'm running out of time, but that's, that's the problem. We need to figure out what the province is doing and the city and the universities. Deb Hutton, Michelle Morrow and Pavan Bratch. Thanks very much to all of you. I'm Jerry Agar in for John Moore, but just today, he'll be back again tomorrow. Catch the roundtable, round one at 7.45, round two at 8.45. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.